0: If there's one thing I want more than anything else when I walk out into my garden during the summer, it's to see colour. Colour in the pots, colour in the hanging baskets, colour in the borders, flowers galore, lovely foliage, beautiful displays. And it's so important to give your garden that little bit of extra tender loving care over these summer months to make sure you keep the colour coming. Now you may have tuned in to World Radio Gardening earlier in the year and heard my advice on choosing summer bedding plants in particular, setting up your pots and containers. Well, if you did, you'll know that giving your plants a really good start is one of the most important things you can do. So many summer bedding varieties have the potential to flower successionally, to keep flowering, to repeat flowering, so that that display will carry bloom through June, July, August, September, right the way through into autumn. It's just up to you as the gardener to give them the hands-on care that's required every week, sometimes every day, to ensure that your plants provide their very best performance. Now in previous years, I've still had my beautiful begonia sunset shades flowering in my garden in the East Midlands in November. It was planted up in hanging baskets in May and placed just outside my patio doors in a north-facing site, and it flowered for months. What your bedding plants and summer flowers need most falls into three main categories. The first is water, the second is food and nutrition, and the third is hands-on care, like deadheading and tidying and dealing with problems. Let's start with watering. Now for some of this you really have to go back to when you first planted out your bedding plants, but I'm going to cover it now anyway just to show you the ground rules that I follow here in my own garden. Now, Plants growing in the ground, in your flower beds and borders, have all the moisture reserves of the soil around them for the roots to grow into. If it rains enough, then the rainwater slowly percolates down through the soil to deeper levels below, and the roots can grow both outwards and downwards to find it. Of course, you can't always rely on the rain, so occasional watering, particularly during dry spells, is important. Also valuable is spreading a lovely mulch around your plants. You probably often hear us talking about mulching here on World Radio Gardening, but it is such an important part of gardening. Spreading a generous layer of compost over the soil surface to help lock in moisture, reduce evaporation, and cut down a little on some of those annual weed seeds which will germinate. Now, ultimately, Moshing also helps to feed the soil, providing organic matter for worms and other organisms to take down into the deeper levels, feeding those soil organisms to create that valuable ingredient of a living soil that we call humus. Now, I'm always keen for plants and crops, for that matter, to cope in the ground on their own with a minimum additional help from me, the gardener. And to this end, it's important to wean your plants in your borders off the chore of regular watering, and so they can be as self-sufficient as possible. And that means encouraging them to produce a vigorous root system with roots growing deeply down into the soil to explore those reserves of moisture below. Regularly watering your garden too much can actually be a problem. As the plants rely on you for the water and by keeping the soil constantly moist, you actually discourage plants from developing new strong roots and expanding their root systems to explore the soil around them. Keeping the surface layers of soil constantly moist just encourages roots to stay at the soil surface. And these shallow rooted plants are then much more vulnerable to drought if you stop watering and the weather turns hot and dry. And it also encourages lots of weed seeds to germinate too. Of course, plants need to get established. So some watering in those very early days after planting out is important, but then you want to lay off the watering bit by bit, reducing its frequency so that the plant roots have time to explore the soil around them and grow wider and deeper. It's the same for flowers, crops, really anything you put in the garden. Wean them off their reliance on you for regular watering and they'll start surviving on their own. In that way, these plants will be much more drought tolerant and flourish even when conditions turn dry through the summer. Now don't get me wrong, there's always a time and a place for watering, but setting up a garden sprinkler can be wasteful. Wetting the flowers, which damages some of the petals and soaking the foliage so all the water does is evaporate off rather than reaching the soil. So I do have a tip for you. One thing I've seen used in some of the gardens I've visited, including Oxford Hall near Norfolk, run by the National Trust, is to run long lengths of seeping hose through your borders. These irrigation hoses are are usually a black material, but can be other colours too. And all you do is plug your hose pipe on one end and uh, either attach it to a water butt or to the main tap, turn the water on, and the water slowly seeps out of the porous hose, watering along its entire length. I've seen this through some long flower borders, around vegetable plots, and so on, and it's an easy way of getting the water down into the soil rather than wetting the leaves. If you want, you can cover the whole hose with a mulch too to help conserve moisture. And if you want to automate the system, perhaps to water the area while you're away on holiday, just use one of those computerized tap timers to turn the water on and off at desired times and durations during the day. I've actually used one of these irrigation hoses along the entire length for my soft fruit canes and my autumn fruited raspberries. And I've used them in some of my vegetable plots, for instance, for my outdoor tomatoes to keep them watered during the summer. Now that's all about watering plants in flower beds and borders, but it's a different story when it comes to plants growing in pots and hanging baskets. Even if it rains, the compost in pots and baskets can dry out, as the dome of leaves on top really acts like an umbrella, shedding water away to the sides, rather than letting it trickle down through into the compost. So that's why you should check compost regularly, each day if possible, and make sure it hasn't dried out. With some pots and baskets, I can actually tell how dry their compost is by lifting them up, and seeing how heavy they are. If you're able to try placing a hand under your hanging basket and lifting slightly, you might be able to work this out for yourself. Try it and see what I mean. Is it light enough to actually lift easily and move around? Or is it too heavy? Does it rotate easily and swing about in the breeze? Or does it stay stationary? If it does move, then the compost could have dried out and it's time to water. If you find that traditional wire baskets with moss or a liner do dry out too quickly for you, then consider next year buying a large plastic hanging basket instead, one with a built-in water reservoir. Okay, these have a plastic construction, so you can only plant the bedding plants in the top, but the solid plastic sides do retain more moisture, and a reservoir in the base holds a few pints of water too, so the basket is kept constantly moist during the day, requiring less frequent watering. If you choose your plants carefully, maybe some nice cascading plants around the sides of the pot, they will soon tumble over and obscure the plastic basket from view. Just looking closely at plants might tell you something too, checking if the leaves or the blooms are wilting or showing any signs of drought. Get to know your plants and you'll soon learn the early signs of drought and be ready to act right away. Have you ever watered your pots from the top and quickly noticed water gushing out through the drainage holes in the base? You have? Well it's easy to assume that if water's run through the compost it must be wet and all that excess water is simply running away at the base. Sounds logical but this might not be the case. When compost dries out not only can it be hard to re-wet but it often shrinks and water just runs straight down through channels in the compost and around the edge of the pot and out of the drainage holes in the base. It really doesn't wet the compost at all but simply drains away. This is one reason it's so important to never let compost dry out completely. If plants are small, such as when you buy new plants to plant out in the garden, I often dunk the whole pot deep into a bucket of water and I slowly submerge the whole pot right up to its rim. Leave it there Fully submerged in water and watch the bubbles rising up as water displaces air and thoroughly soaks the compost. You might want to try this with some of the smaller pots you've got around your patio too. Mixing a few drops of washing up liquid into the water can sometimes help it soak into and re-wet dry compost. You don't need much, just a few drops, maybe half a teaspoon or so in a watering can of water and that just helps the compost to re-soak up more moisture and improve its reserves. And I'm a fan of standing my patio pots in saucers especially during summer particularly those in terracotta pots that being porous and breathable to dry out so quickly. Each day or so I water pots from above soaking the compost from the top and watching until I notice that water's draining out into the saucer below but as I said before is the compost fully saturated or is water just soaking and draining down through the dry compost? To be sure, I leave the saucer fully topped up to the brim with water. Check after half an hour and if the saucer is empty, then top it up again. Otherwise, just leave the pot sitting in its extra saucer reservoir of water to keep its supplied during those dry days of summer, ensuring your precious plants never go short of water during dry weather and Just a point of clarification here. I'm talking about the majority of summer bedding plants that really do need regular watering. If you've got succulents and sun lovers, a lot of these prefer free draining and drier compost conditions. For these, you can water a little less regularly and I certainly wouldn't ever leave them standing in water. Compost needs to lock in moisture. Which is why choosing a good quality compost in the first place rather than the budget mix is often a good choice. I've found that many of the peat free composts have a coarse free draining structure that can drain quickly and doesn't have that moisture holding capacity that peat based composts we used to use had. That's one reason I recommend mixing in a water retaining gel when I'm planting up my pots with compost as I think that locks in more moisture. The gel soaks up the moisture and acts as a reservoir, just slowly releasing the moisture over time to keep the plants well supplied. Now, my second tip, and that's feeding. Plants need food to encourage strong growth and keep the flowers coming, plants need the right diet, and that includes a well-balanced fertilizer containing all the major nutrients, some nitrogen for leaves and shoot growth, phosphates to promote strong root development, and most important of all, for flowering plants a generous supply of potash. And feeding is actually more important for anything growing in a pot of compost compared to growing in the garden soil. As most potting compost only contain a limited supply of nutrients, perhaps enough to keep plants fed for around six weeks after potting. Then it's over to you to top up these nutrient levels regularly to ensure your plants don't go short. At planting time, I do often mix a slow-release fertilizer granule into the potting compost as I'm planting up the containers and baskets. Mixed into the compost, these tiny, resin-coated beads of fertilizer slowly dissolve over many months, releasing their nutrients ready for the plant roots to take up. But if you haven't done this or you just want to provide some extra nutrition, then my favourite way of feeding is to use a hose end diluter. This is a unit you can attach to the end of your hose pipe and it adds fertilizer as you water, carrying out two jobs in one. A model I use is the Miracle Grow feeder. You just add your soluble fertilizer to the container, top up with water Attach the device to the end of your hose, and then when you press the trigger, water flows through the device, producing the perfect dilution of liquid feed. And if you do invest in a device like the Miracle-Gro feeder, then it can be used for all your gardening needs. You can add a soluble lawn food to it to feed your lawn, or you could choose a soluble ericaceous plant food to water and feed all those acid-loving plants, like your camellias and rhododendrons and azaleas. I even used it this year to mix up and apply Nemesis, the biological control nematodes that kill vine weevil grubs in the ground, The device diluted the nematodes as I watered them onto the compost and soil with these tiny microscopic nematodes will hopefully search their way through the soil, seek and destroy those damaging vine weevil grubs that eat away the roots of so many of my plants, in particular in my garden, attacking the roots of primulas, strawberries, sedums, begonias, even lilies and many others. But I digress. If you just want to give your flowering plants an extra boost, then you'll find a range of high potash fertilisers in garden centres. And I usually look for offers on tomato fertilisers each spring. I use these throughout the summer on my greenhouse tomatoes, my cucumbers, my peppers, as well as the ornamental plants embedding in my patio pots. So whatever you're up to this summer, don't forget the feeding.